Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Gameway Cafe, and today it's just the regulars on on the show. My name is Craig, and I'm joined with Jarrett. Hey, how's it going? And Corey. Greetings and salutations. And today, we're back with uh, another episode, and maybe the final episode, who knows, of Hidden Gems and Disappointments. Uh, turns out we had a, a few more than we had previously. Corey, I think you had probably more than me and Jarrett did, so uh, I'm going to let you uh, start us off there. Let's start off with a disappointment, because, you know, I'm a pretty negative guy. Okay, fair enough. Thank right. you. So we're going to start off with Mega Man X6 for the great. PlayStation 1. See, I just, I just had Mega Man series wrote down on mine. Yeah, <laughs> that is a load of poppycock. Uh, it was on mine too, Craig. Who would have thought? Oh, man. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Now, essentially, uh, I'm a pretty big Mega Man fan. I really enjoyed the first... The first four entries of Mega Man X are really good. The fifth one experimented a little in level progression. And it's all right. But then Mega Man X6 uh, was a game that was technically never supposed to happen. Because X5 is technically the end of the story that uh, they originally had planned out. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, the, big <laughs> game bad, huh? the big game mechanic in this one is you have to rescue uh, Reploids throughout the majority of the game. There's these enemies. I, I think they're called Helix. They're just like these little... I think like robot squid things. And they are like the most common enemy throughout the whole game. Like, they're just over overabundant everywhere. And there's some other... I group. despise like, when games use like one enemy a lot more than the rest. Mm-hmm. Or didn't you just replay through like the whole series? Yeah, about 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 a year or maybe two. Oh, that long? through the wow. entirety of Mega Man X. Yeah, but it's like everywhere this one enemy, and the big gimmick is you want to save these Reploids, which uh, can let you some bonuses, like, you know, like attack up or you know more health, things like that. But if these Reploids touch. If these little enemies touch any of the replies you have to save, they're permanently gone from the game. Like, they're dead, and you can't obtain them, which uh, makes you lose out on, you know, progress. And then uh, some of the levels, some of the laziest levels in the entire <laughs> franchise, there's this one one level called Blaze Heatniks level. Which is absolutely abysmal. If you ever want to look up uh, what not to do when making a game, this would Just be it. Look up that level. There's uh, there's this giant, poorly designed enemy that pretty much looks like a like a robotic junk circle with uh, little green glowing lights on like the corners <laughs> or like around it. And you would have to run around the room or constantly hop up a vertical shaft or any any numerous things where you have to destroy all these green things, but the enemy's so big you have to like traverse around it. But the worst part is in Blaze Heatness, I think you had to do it like four, maybe five times, and it's extremely slow. There's no way to get around it. It it's just terrible. I know it. It pretty much tarnished Mega Man X, <laughs> the X series in general. Because like the first four games, I thought were really good. Fifth one was just kind of okay. How many are there? Is that the last one? Uh, there's actually eight of them. Uh, I don't know how X continued on past that. But uh, were they better? 
I thought uh, Seven was... I can go I, on to uh, my next disappointment. Yeah, I hear Seven is god-awful. Mega Man X7 is the first <laughs> experiment to go yeah. into 3D. Yeah, I hear it's the Mega Man franchise. Well, every Mega Man game, or traditional Mega Man game, is, you know, a 2D side-scroller, you know, you go left and right. This mm-hmm. one here experimented around where you go into 3D levels. Sometimes you would do, you know, 2D side-scroller, you know, but in a 2.5D plane where, you know, it's 3D graphics, but, you know, you're just going left and right. Yeah, yeah. And other times it'll be top-down, and you'll be running around shooting, and it's, I don't know, yeah, two terrible games back-to-back. Uh, and like I said, uh, unless you're more really curious, because uh, I have technically never played X7 until I played through the Mega Man X Legacy Collection, I would have flat out just avoid X7 and X8 or X6 and Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, but the Mega Man X8 is actually a step in the right direction, but uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on whose perspective you look at. They have not made another Mega Man X game since. And that was uh, the collection on the Switch, right? Yes. Yeah, Switch, well, PS4, a lot of... and Steam. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's de- I think it's on Steam. If you play for Mega Man X series, avoid X6 and X7 wow. at all costs. Yeah, I'm, I think me and Jared will just <laughs> avoid them all together. Just, just to be sure. load uh, of pooey. <laughs> I've got a... Uh, here, I got something you can hate on, Corey. I've got, for one of my hidden gems, I got Road Rash. And uh, uh, I remember you not liking that one, but I, I played a ton of it back on the 64. Jarrett, you ever played it? I don't think I've ever heard of it, unless I've played it with Corey and Chase when I was it's, a kid. It's not great, and I'll go ahead and admit that, but <laughs> it was just because you're riding a motorcycle and you're racing, but it's like you have a multitude of weapons you can pick up on the track. And you just bash your opponents when you get too close to them and uh, knock them off their motorcycle. You know, that's a that's Sounds how you like win. a fun premise. I think you would like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah but if you could, there, if there's, because you're racing on the highway, so if there's yeah. like cars coming and you do a wheelie, you can ramp the cars. <laughs> but if you try to ramp like, a, like an ambulance, you can't do it. You If you try to ramp it. Are they too big? Yeah, because you get you hit the top part and you, you go flying in the opposite direction. Uh, right. There's multiple Road Rash games. This is, I played that one, and I was not impressed, to say the least. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, me and my old buddy Dustin used to play it all the time. And there is... Also, Jarrett, if you end up running off the road just a little bit, sometimes you'll come up to like a farm or something. And if there's a 2D cow, because you know, that's how cows were back then, you can, if you do a wheelie, you can actually ramp the animals. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like the that cows ridiculous. will just move at you. <laughs> Well, I think it's time for me to buy this game, guys. I can bust I'll it out it. next time you're over, man. We're going to have a road well, rash Jared, Jared and Craig, you're in luck. I did a quick Google search. There's actually several games in the series. Wasn't there a new one on the PS4? Yeah, apparently there was one called Road Redemption back in 2014. Wasn't it ba- like bad? Bad, I'm not sure. Check Where the, uh, while you're on there, check like the Metacritic score on it. I bet it's super low. All right, ready? Ready? 5.7. <laughs> yeah. That is high quality stuff there. That yeah. is a hidden gem. All, all, joke, oh my goodness. all jokes aside, I like a it. very positive rating. 
Yeah, actually, all in all seriousness, I had a lot of fun with it on the yeah. 64. I don't think it's a great game, but I think it's definitely worth checking out. I've played a lot of the games where it's like not really great, but it's just fun to play. So, and again, play. I played this mostly multiplayer, like almost exclusively yeah. played it multiplayer. It was one of those games that had like the you had to have a memory card to save your progress, but it's like that didn't work all the time, and some then you would have a password system. But if you use the password system, it brought you to that level, but it didn't bring all your upgrades. So if like you had your bike was a little bit faster or your acceleration was a little better, it was reset yeah. back to nothing. So it's like then you couldn't win because you couldn't keep up with everyone else. So it was kind of weird, kind of dated. But yeah, I liked it. And Jared, we'll check it out sometime. Yeah, I'd be down. It sounds fun. It sounds wacky enough to be fun. Yeah, there you go. I get it wacky because you're wacky of the other racers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, Jared, go ahead. Uh, My disappointment is one i don't think we've talked about it i don't remember us talking about it and Corey will know it well because it's a port of one of my favorite games uh starcraft 64 <laughs> i've actually played that uh, just a little bit that was my actually my that's how i got into the yeah. starcraft series i just remember as a kid because that's also how i got into the series because when i was a kid i didn't know what i was doing me Corey, and Corey's brother cody would play that on y'all or Corey's 64 console. And as a kid, I didn't know what I was doing at all. And Corey would wipe the floor with us. And as a kid, kid, it was really fun. And then as I grew older, I got the PC version because like, hey, I love that on the 64. And it was an entirely it was different, yeah, it blew me away, an entirely different experience. And I think I went back to try the 64 version, and it was it was god-awful. Don't uh, play an RTS on a console at all. That uh, was also the first time that I had played it was on the 64. Um, my buddy Cody came over, and he we rented it from the local rental store. Yeah. And he was trying to show it to me, and I just like wasn't getting it, so... Later on, I had like my massive army of like 15 units, and <laughs> I had them ready. Heard this too, yeah. Yeah, and I was ready to roll. And then uh, Cody had brought in. Was it which ones can go underground? Is that Zerg? Uh, yeah, the Zerg, Zerg race. Okay. Lurker, I think. Because he brought up one troop in the middle of my t- and pretty close to my army, and he was like, "If you kill him, he's like, I'm gonna destroy you." <laughs> and I was like, "You can't destroy me, dude. I've got a massive army." So I decimated this one troop, and then he sent in his entire forces and just wiped me out. It was pretty unbearable, but it was funny, and I'll never forget it. So, Cody, if you're listening, uh, I've never forgot that. But don't I would not recommend – I would not want it on my worst enemy. Playing a RTS on a console was – it's probably the worst experience I've ever had, thinking back on it. The It's so insanely slow to build anything because you have to you know click each one individually, then – Go, there's no real hotkeys to it. Whereas on the computer, you can do it in like half a second, get like 10 things going. And yeah, it's, it's like night and day. Uh, yeah. The fastest setting on the 64 matches the slow speed of the PC. <laughs> and you- on the PC, if you play online, no one plays anything other than fastest. Like that's the standard is fastest. Mm-hmm. So It's like that with Age of Empires too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you want to learn the ins and outs of stuff, and you didn't have access to a computer, yeah, uh, it's, you got to admit it's pretty ambitious for them to. Put I want to say, I mean, 
it's it's a bad port. Let's just admit that. I mean, it's one hundred percent accurate, but the cutscenes and the voice acting are all cut. Hot keys are gone. I I don't think I could in ever. order in order to play multiplayer or the Brood War portion. You actually have to have the Nintendo sixty four expansion pack. Expansion pack, yeah, I remember that. I mean, I had a lot of fun with it as a kid, but once you go to PC, it is impossible. Ignorance is definitely bliss <laughs> on that one. Because like I said, when I was a kid, I I loved it. It was the best. It was the best thing since Top Red, and now it's literally the worst thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. It was like like that. Flip the switch as soon as I played. I don't think I got through the first match. I was like, this is like a completely different game. Ah, but Jared, what is John? What is John Craig? <laughs> when you rather play StarCraft '64 or play through Halo Wars? Oh. I've never played through Halo. Oh, man. So. I'm crying. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I meant sliced bread, guys. Child bread. But, uh, 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 Corey, I, I've actually played a little bit of uh, Halo Wars and did not care for that either. Uh, it, it just, not even being a PC gamer, really, that RTS just don't feel right yeah, on I, with the controller. I, I, like I said, I don't think I could ever play an RTS without a keyboard and mouse. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so either. Uh, Corey, do you have a have another one for us there? Ah, uh, yes. All right, let's go with a hidden gem uh, for Nintendo GameCube. The first Chibi Robo game. Chibi Robo is a very uh, unique experience. Let's just say that you pretty much play as this little miniature house robot that's designed to bring family happiness by doing minuscule, you know, just like cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. Like clean up the house. I don't know. Explaining the game is kind of, kind of hard. You have to play it to understand it. Essentially, you go around the house helping this family out where you just clean up, you know, debris, you clean up smudges on the ground. Uh, you will pick up like a piece of trash and get points. And thing is, you're like a little ten centimeter tall robot, and you you have a power, you, you know, a power supply that drains every time you take a step or do an action. Isn't the robot like carrying around his plug? Like you plug up, yeah. He has a plug in his back, and you have to actually go up the charging stations like, periodically. But throughout the game, uh. It kind of tells a like a small story about this family. Uh, doing a quick wiki search, their name was the Sanderson family. And you go through the game, and there's actually like boss fights and stuff. You get like power ups, and you go all over their house. You even go outside for a moment. I don't know. It's like a really unique experience that is very, very hard to describe without you playing yeah. it. And I remember seeing you play a little bit of it. Not, I didn't see maybe like five or ten, ten minutes. Not very much. That's. Yeah. I think I watched you play a little. But I don't know. I don't know which one it was, but it was something very off. Like I didn't see you play it very long either. You think TJ would enjoy it, Corey? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> uh, that's our new segment. Any game TJ would not enjoy. Uh, but. I don't know. It's a really unique experience. You, you just uh, go around this house. I do remember there, there's actually a plot that actually gets kind of, I'm going to say, like a little kind of depressing. Hmm. There's some stuff going on in the house, and then you actually learn about some of the problems the family has. But you're just like this little robot. Do, are they aware of you? Do they know you're there? 
Yeah, they invite you to. Oh, okay, go. okay. Uh, it's been a long time since I played for this game, and so I'm not 100 sure uh, it will stand up. But I, I remember getting it pretty late into the GameCube's life. The thing is, you know, the Wii's already been out for like a year or two before I ever got around to it. Mm-hmm. And even though the game didn't sell incredibly well, there was enough to warrant several sequels, which, when my next turn comes around, will lead to one of my greatest disappointments. Actually, Corey, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so, segueing in, now there was to, several to disappointment. Sequ- yeah, there were several Chibi Robo sequels, and I'm gonna be honest. Uh, unfortunately, I have not played them. There was one called Park Patrol, which is a uh, one on the DS. I've actually heard it's all right. And then there's a sequel to the one on the DS that never came out of Japan. But the one I'm going to talk about is Chibi Robo Ziplash for the Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> now, what makes me so disappointed in this game is all right, Chibi Robo is like this quirky 3D platformer game where you do, I don't know, it's just like weird miscellaneous task around. Mm. That's like the charm of it. You're just, you go through the motions and that, and it's a very charming game. But with Ziplash, Apparently, the higher-ups at N- Nintendo, or who who owns this series, anyway, the higher-ups in this company decided the problem with Chibi-Robo is not the fact that we have a very poor budget and never advertise the game anywhere. It has to be its genre. When people think Chibi-Robo, they definitely will totally buy it on a platform that has an excessive amount of 2D platformers. Let's make it a 2D platformer. <laughs> Oh, and huh. since uh, Chibi Robo, you know, knew to be a 2D platformer, and since uh, his plug-in drags behind him on the ground, they figured yeah. they used that as a key gameplay mechanic to where you'll, it's pretty much like a little whip, you know, whip it out and hit enemies or, you know, yeah. plug into stuff, you, swing around. you said the name Whiplash, it's like, I, I feel like they came up with that first and then made the game. Uh, but it's actually Ziplash. Oh, Ziplash, that's what, yeah. But not only did they completely change the genre, it doesn't even feel like a Chibi Robo game. Yeah. Uh, one of the most asinine decisions I have ever seen in a 2D game. All right, you know how you play any video game ever. You know how when you beat the level, you go to the <laughs> next level? Yeah, that's usually yeah. how it works, yeah. You would think right. that's how it works. You figure, you're like, oh, man, I beat the level. Right, I'm going to go ahead. Well, in this one, when you beat the level, a roulette wheel comes up, and I believe it goes one through three. And you roll for each world has, I believe, six levels. So you yeah. go for the roulette, do 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 do, and if you get one, you'll go to level two. You get you get a two, you'll you'll skip level two, and you go to level three, and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it it's pretty poop. Because wasn't there a way to beat the level and not get to advance at all? Yeah. So you'd have to redo the level. Because I think I remember you saying something about it before. Now, here, here's the part, and that's terrible. So there's six levels, and I believe one of them was a boss level. Let's say you beat level one, and then you roll a two, and you get to level three. And then you beat the level, and you go to six. You can actually get on the roulette wheel. It can rotate around, and you'll go back through a level you've already completed. And you can't skip that. No, oh, so you just gotta replay, it. Gotta replay it. Oh man, that's and atrocious. If, and if if the level, you know, the random roulette wheel isn't on your side, 
you can actually be playing through the same world multiple over and over. times before Dang. you beat all the levels to move on to the next. And I'm going to admit, I did not finish this game. I, I finished the first world. Gosh, how did that pass? What makes me even more angry with this entry is rather than go back to what I thought Chiburo was great for, the directors of the game said, if this game doesn't sell well, there won't be any more Chibi Robo. And I don't guess it did very well. And this game did atrocious. It, mm. it, yeah, so it know, just, they made a bad game and it effectively killed the, the franchise. Yeah, it, this is something that irks me. Uh, like, let's make a game that plays nothing like the rest of them. And then, and then when it uh, sell, and it. then blame the fans for not wanting to keep the series alive. It's infuriating. <laughs> to move to something more positive, then kind of mentioned this one before. It's not a, it's not really hidden, but I think it's underrated. I'm gonna, I'm gonna include that one. Is a uh, Wario Land Shake It? I feel like that one kind of got, like people played it, I think, but I think it got passed over pretty quick. And you didn't you beat it too, Corey? Yeah, I remember. I mean, you played side by side. Yeah, that was that was super fun. I liked it a lot. Um, the art style being completely hand drawn was really charming, and the levels were pretty good too. I remember. And then the I feel like it had a lot of charm to it, and even like the the shake it mechanic you'd think would wear then, but it really didn't. You didn't you wasn't shaking the Wii remote the entire game or whatever. But I know yeah. that overall pretty pretty easy, not super hard until the final boss, and that one took. Probably twenty tries. Uh, I remember, I remember raging on that final. Oh boat. yeah, me too. But no, I, I got to the I point where I could beat his first and second form without taking a single hit and like mess around while I'm doing it. It was, it was kind of funny once you get to that point. But yeah, pretty good game. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Think I've only ever played one Wario game, and I think it was a mini game one on the Wii, like a bunch of mini games. Yeah, the Wario Land games are really good. Yeah, yeah Wario Land. Uh, I feel, I guess, the short end of the stick nowadays yeah. ever since WarioWare took off. Because mm-hmm. recently... those are good too, but uh, I wish they didn't kill off the Wario Land series for it. Yeah, uh, I recently played through uh, Wario Land 1 through 3, and I do remember Wario Land Shake It and 4, and they're all really solid platformers. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just feel like the, the powers that be just don't want to make them anymore. Mm-hmm. While we get, you know, our pretty soon probably get our fifth new Super Mario Bros. game. Yeah, yeah. There was also, um, kind of, I guess, kind of spiraling off that uh, Wario uh, Master of Disguise. I was always wanting to play that one, but I heard it was pretty bad. Uh, at one point in time, I was considering getting it, but uh, the internet, it, it has uh, what I like to call DS gimmick syndrome. Where oh, you gotta draw something probably for no reason at all. Game mechanics that would be perfectly functional with buttons, uh, but since it's on the DS, they like force touch controls. I can't remember what game it was, but there was one or two that I quit because it had you constantly drawing on the screen. I was like, "Why? I don't want to do this." Yeah, looking at Wire Master of the Skies, uh, current rating of a six out of ten. Not to skip you, Jared, but I'm going to go ahead and go into a disappointment because Corey kind of touched on it a little bit there. <laughs> and that was, remember the Star Fox game on the DS, Corey? I, uh, I was I so hyped I, for that game. I hated the motion controls. It, I think the game itself would have been fine. I really think that, that I would have enjoyed it. But it's like you're holding the DS in your hand and there's you know, all those perfect buttons next to your thumb, but you can't <laughs> use any of them. You have to use the touchscreen. Yeah, there was a- no other option. 
It's yeah. pretty much uh, like 90% touchscreen. I think you hit the shoulder button to shoot. Yeah, the left one, because you're holding it in your left hand. So it's like you're just tapping the button to shoot, or holding it to charge a shot, but then okay. using the, the stylus in the other hand the whole time. Like, that would have been cool as an option. Like, you know, no problem at all there. Yeah. But the fact that you could not use any of the buttons was pretty bad. I think that killed that completely killed it for me. I've actually, and I was so hyped for that game. You know, back before, you know, everyone's like, oh, Star Fox, awful all the time. Because uh, the first two Star Fox games, I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Adventures was a, a nice little spinoff. But not great, but pretty good. And then I remember playing Assault, which I thought was nice. Not excellent, but nice. And the gameplay on Assault was really good. Yeah, but then uh, this one here, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, you can play multiple characters. They all have different ships, which is true. But the touch controls are, yeah. I don't know, it just kind of brought the thing down. Not to mention, uh, what I really liked about it was the multiple endings, mm-hmm. which unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on what spectrum you're on, because I know a lot of the internet likes to make fun of the multiple endings, but... I, I kind of like them as cheesy as they were. But, I think I might have got one ending and just called it done. Like, I, yeah. if I even made it that far, I really don't even remember if I did. I, I think it'd be a a great concept to come back to. That like that that whole uh, tactical thing where you plan out where your where your you know friends or the great fox and stuff like that. Yeah, like that I enjoyed, and then get into like the little you know dog fights in the sky, but. Oh, man, those touch controls. Infuriating on some of those. Yep, pretty bad. All right, Jared, since I skipped over you there, I'll let you go ahead. Gosh, can't believe you did that. Now, uh, I have another disappointment, and then I have a few hidden gems I'll talk about later. But uh, my next disappointment is a game I actually played like two or three days ago, and it's a game called Beyond Eyes. Uh, It's a... I think it's an indie game. I honestly don't know. It's a short game. It's about an hour to three hours, I guess, depending on what all you do in it. And the gist is basically you play this little blind girl that tries to find her cat that hasn't came around in a while. So you go off in the world and try to find the cat. The art style is okay when you get to see it. The idea behind it is you he, the world builds around sounds so oh, you have to stare at this blinding white light like 90 <laughs> percent of the game because it's what you see in front of you while you're you, walking you think it'd be black i wish it was black yeah, then, at least I could, then at least the, my retinas didn't get burned <laughs> out when i played it at night but uh yeah, so looking walk, at the screenshots a lot of uh, whites but the yeah. When there is graphics, it does look beautiful. Yeah, I like the art style, but you don't hardly see it. Like as you walk, the ground around you fills out, and like some uh, scenery goes around you. But still, you walk forward most of the game, so you see the blinding white and a little bit of purple for the outline. So that was the first thing I didn't like about it. And then the walking speed—I swear. If there's a snail that was with you the entire <laughs> game, the snail would go faster than you. It was a horrendous walking pace. And I get it. Like, story-wise, I get it. She's blind. She probably can't walk very fast without knowing where she's going. But it was infuriating playing it when it took 10 minutes to get anywhere. Like, it just took forever to do anything. Hmm. 
Another thing I didn't like, because you're blind and can't see anything, you don't know where boundaries are or like bridges are. So you might walk around, and this might have just been me because I was trying to explore as well, mm-hmm. but you would hit a fence but not know where it ended really. So sometimes you'd have to like oh, walk you follow it for and, a while. Yeah, follow it for a while. Then my last point against it was there is a, sometimes when you hear sound effects, but you, since he walked so slow, you'd hear the sound effects forever. And sometimes you'd have to do things that would have that sound effect on like your overlap. screen for a long time. So like there's this one time there there's this person that you had to get a ball for and they were like, wah, 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 because they didn't really talk. They just made like noises mm-hmm. pointing to the ball. And I swear I heard her do that noise the entire time I walked all the way around a fence, grabbed the ball, walked all the way back around the fence, and I I was ooh, I was infuriated. That almost made me just stop right there. Oh but, dang! Huh. Uh, well, since it was I'll, so I'll, short, I went through it. I mean, I believe you in everything. Be, it sounds like a neat premise, but I guess just not executed super well. So it's like, a walking simulator, but uh, with a skewed vision. Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty. Like I'm, I'm pretty picky about walking simulators, but there was um, everyone's gone to the rapture. Did y'all ever play that one? I've not. It was I've heard of it, but have not. I, I some people liked it a lot. I just I didn't care for it, and then like uh, kind of like you said, Jarrett, the walking speed seemed like way yeah. too slow, and that kind of threw me off from the very beginning. Wait, Even what? like you could quote unquote run, but yeah. your running speed was it like was yeah, like one mile an hour faster than your walking speed, and it was then you had to hold an extra button to do it, and it just it it just wasn't. I, I didn't think it was worth it. Outside I played through it. But... of Edith Finch, what remains of Edith Finch, the only other one that Edith... I really wanted to try is va- The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, I think that is the name of it. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to try that I one. I think but... that Edith Finch will ruin other walking simulators because <laughs> it was so well done. I think it's going to be hard to find another yeah. walking simulator that's that good, like on that level. Gone Home was really good too, but Edith Finch was just like mm-hmm. far and away better. There was a walking simulator I always wanted to play. I just never got around to it. Uh, the Stanley Parable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that was a fun one. That was trippy. It was a fun one though. Yeah, never got around to it. All right, let's go for a hidden gem. Next up on my list, I'm going to talk about a game that Craig enjoyed oh boy. so much. Pin Pin Try Isolon. <laughs> that game wasn't that terrible. Game. It was just not for me. Pimpin Triathlon for the Sega Dreamcast. Just as it's a running marathon racing game where you play a whole bunch of zany looking penguins, I guess. A pinpin? Pinpins. One looks like an actual penguin. One looks like a, a shark. One's an octopus. One looks like a dog. One looks like a hippo. Was it like a warthog looking thing? Yeah, there's also like a walrus looking thing. Okay, maybe I know that's the one that I played as. Essentially, you run around a course as pinpins, and it's a pretty short game. It's an arcadey racer, but it's like really colorful. Uh, it's quirky fun, and I really enjoyed it. Pretty much, you would literally waddle around until you get to a point where eventually you can slide on your stomach or go underwater, and then you'd move. And you can actually move around faster than a snail's face. But <laughs> it's just like crazy weird. And then uh, if you actually go for the whole game, 
it reveals a secret cheat code where you could play as the ultimate racer, which is this weird dude with a dripping running nose. <laughs> and okay. like I said, without checking, without looking at the you know gameplay footage, it's a, it's one of those weird racers that you see from time to time, where it's like an on foot racer. And to be fair, I wouldn't mind seeing a concept like that again. Yeah, I remember playing it. I liked it all right. And guess what? When I won it all, I became the fastest pin pin in the world. <laughs> a title you'll probably keep forever. One of mine on my hidden gems is one of kind of been wanting to talk about for a little bit. Um, is Among the Sleep. Have you all ever heard of that one? I've not heard of that one either. Among the Sleep. I am googling it now to figure out what you're talking about. Okay, it's um. I wouldn't really call it a walking simulator, even though that's what you're doing most of the time. It's a kind of a horror game, as a first person horror game. And it's set, like, its hook is you are playing a toddler, so normal things in the world look a little more scary, you know, for the kid. Yeah. And your companion is a little teddy bear that kind of, like, guides you in the right direction and everything. You hold him, and if you're getting scared, you, like, hug him a little tighter, and sometimes it'll make him, like, glow a little more so you can see a little bit more around you. You don't walk super fast because a toddler doesn't. And yeah. if, if you sprint, you can run... Well, it's more of a dash because if you run like just a few steps, I think it's like from three to maybe seven steps, you'll fall yeah. down. And you get right back up and, you know, no harm. But you just got to like sometimes if you want to like dash behind a behind cover real quick, you just got to be quick about it. You work your way through and you solve like like there's a couple physics puzzles like uh, kind of like Half-Life where it's like there's a, a seesaw and you got to put some weight on one end to keep it up, you know, while you walk up it to get on the slot or whatever. Small stuff like that, and there's yeah. there is a story that's going on around this child, but it's like you got to piece that together yourself because, like, as the toddler, he doesn't know anything that's going on around him. But I won't say anything about the the story, but you can start picking up like little hints and clues and stuff. And by the end, you're like, oh, I think I know what's happening here. And it, it's there. There was a couple moments in there that was legit spooky, but really Creep. fun game. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it. It it was really neat. And I don't think I've ever played a game from a first-person perspective of, like, a two-year-old. So was everything, like, were you really close to the ground, I guess? Yep, your perspective be, was yep was really low. That would and, be bizarre. Yeah, and, like, the everything in the house was really tall, it seemed like. And yeah, it was just neat. It was a neat game. It was very short, too. It was, like, just a few hours long, I think. It was worth the, the playthrough. Sounds promising. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it. I have a... It's not a very hidden gem because it has four games now, but I honestly don't hear a whole lot about it online or like through my friend group at all. And it's called Trine. Oh, it has yeah. four games, and it's a little co-op co-op platformer game, I guess, puzzle platformer game, where you can pl you and your a group of friends, if you will, play one of three characters. It's a wizard, a ranger slash archer, and a warrior. And each have their gimmicks. Like if you play a wizard, you can lift things up and down, like levitate them. Or you can draw shapes like a, if you draw a straight line, it makes a little plank. If you draw a square, it makes a uh, box that you can use to solve puzzles. The ranger can shoot arrows at enemies, or they can, uh, they have this hook shot and they can swing around. And then the warrior has a sword and a shield, so their shield can block any incoming damage, which is actually pretty useful in some of the puzzles. Basically, you go along the story. I've only played the first two, 
but I like the story in both of them. They're fun. They don't take themselves super seriously. The art style is amazing. Like I love the art in them in both of the two that mm-hmm. I played, and all the characters were really fun to play. Although I played with my friend Hamilton, and he liked playing the wizard, and I liked playing the archer, so it kind of worked out. And then when one of us died, they'd switch to the warrior. Yeah, I remember seeing um, some pretty good things about the first one, and I saw a little bit about the second one, and I knew there was a third one, but I, I didn't even know there was a fourth, actually. Yeah, the fourth came out early this year, or late okay, last so year, so pretty it's new then. relatively new. But like I said, okay. I hardly ever hear anything about it online. It's a really, like, if you can get a friend or two to play with you, it's a really fun time, because there's a lot of times where you'll screw up what the other person's trying to do, or just, if you're, if you're like me, do it for fun. Yeah. yeah, I played through the original years ago, but I played it on PC. Uh, yeah. This is during the era where I had no internet, so uh, I yeah, was by I, myself. Yeah, me and me and my friend played it on PC, but you know, with internet and playing with a friend, I think makes it a lot better. It's definitely one I don't know if I would play by myself. But, uh, yeah, I remember enjoying it, but I'm sure if I play multiplayer. I would have enjoyed it far more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I actually picked up Tron 2 on my Steam account. and I just never got to I it. I have literally never booted it up. Beat Tron 1 and 2, and I have Tron 3. I haven't got to play it yet. You know, other things on the agenda. Jerry, you're talking about uh, just playing games like multiplayer, and that kind of fits into one of my hidden gems that we've all played, is yeah. a screen cheat. Screen cheat? I love that one. Yeah, and I think that's I think uh, Chase is the one that actually found it, but you know, I bought it for through Limited Run. Had a physical yeah. copy of it. It is a four-person uh, couch co-op first-person shooter, but the it, the hook in it is you. Every character is invisible, so you literally have to screen cheat and look at uh, your your buddy's screen to see where they're <laughs> at, and use like the 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 background and the colors and everything yeah. to determine where they're at and I know blast away. A lot of the weapons are really wacky, too. Like, they have yeah. some of the normal ones, like a shotgun or a pistol, and then they have some really weird ones. Then there's a candlestick, a... Isn't there a horse? Like, yeah, a, a wooden a, um, what do you call stick them? horse? I don't know how else to describe it. I can't either. It's... One of the ones, like, a kid would play with. It's just <laughs> a stick with a stuffed horse head on it. Yeah, and it, using that one, you can run really fast. There was a, a spear gun, I think. A laser gun. Man, I can't even remember them all. There, there's a ton of them. And they're all... Some are very much better than others, but it's usually fun to like just use one... Because you can pick any weapon at any time. It's fun usually just to pick one, and then when you die, switch to the next one, and keep going that way. But yeah, the game's, the game's a lot of fun. And I was awful at it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good at it, but it's usually just so fun that even if you're losing, it's, yeah. it's not one of those that you're just like hating it, you know? It's not Fortune Street, but... How the rounds go pretty quick. It's just... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, remember, I think they have other uh, game modes, too, like uh, not just the Deathmatch. I think there's a few others, like uh, Capture the Point and stuff like that, too. Yeah, that's a pretty unique premise. Mm-hmm, yep. All right, Corey, you got another one for us? Yeah, my next disappointment. Brutal Legends for oh, the Xbox Legend. 360. You know, that game actually started off good. Yep, so here I am. Uh, did, did almost no reviews, just watched the advertisements and read Me the too. early, read a little bit, hardly anything about it. That way, no spoilers. It's like, imagine like a rock and roll, heavy metal, like 
adventure. You know, the main character is voiced by, you know, Jack Black. And then they had, you know, some actual musicians like Ozzy Osbourne and stuff in it. Yeah, I really like, think dude. Jack Black being in it carried it a lot, too. And I'm like, dude, this is going to be awesome. And yeah. no joke, the first, like, two, maybe three hours of the game, it's, like, exactly what you thought it would be. Like a, like a hack and slash beat em up where you use your, you know, your your guitar axe and you get your heavy metal vehicle and you race around and all that. But I don't know, somewhere along the lines, they slowly start introducing that it's a it's an RTS RTS game in disguise yeah and well, that's why'd they do the bait and switch the the RTS part of it was never I don't think that was any any of the promotional material because they just kept playing up the first part of it you know and it was just like a action game yeah yeah I'm not sure why I'm sure I'm pretty sure there's a development you know interviews and stuff and what happened. For some reason, if I remember, I like the publisher, which wasn't a Ubisoft. Uh, I don't remember on that, honestly. Was it Double Fine? EA. EA, okay. Yeah, I EA, think Double made it. Okay, yeah, that's Double what I'm saying. It. The EA, apparently, if I remember right, uh, they didn't want to advertise the RTS portion. Uh, I really don't know. I guess they thought a console RTS wouldn't sell well. Well, they, they were correct. What I don't understand is why they so heavily advertised it as this like 3D action adventure hack and slash game. Because basically it was Jack Black playing himself as the main character, I think, was a, a big hook to it. Whatever reason, they thought this RTS would go over great. And I'm going to be fair, at, the, at first you're like, ah, eh, this is all right. But, you know, after a little bit, it starts yeah. getting kind of grating. Just, yeah, I, I actually beat that game and it's like, the whole game was basically a tutorial for the multiplayer that no one played. Yeah. I know on the last couple of levels, it's like, because your goal was to destroy the, was the enemy stage. Yeah. And so it's like, as soon as you started, if you just like mass produced a, a big enough army, like from the get go, even with whatever you start with, if you did that and did it correctly, sometimes you could just storm there, like march straight into, you know, yeah. straight into their stage. Cause I, I, be, I cleared the last level, like surprisingly easy. And then when it was over, I was like, well, you know, I'm finally kind of glad that's over. So, uh, Fun fact, there's a strategy in StarCraft that revolves around that. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, actually win with, like, probes or, you know, other starting units. The probes mm-hmm. are the only one I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I've done it a few times. Where if you just storm them while they're trying to get minerals, you can kill them with, like, your first five or six probes. Yeah, if you want to go all in, easiest tactics ever that sometimes wins you the game flat out is uh, the Zergling Rush. Yeah. What you do is you, as soon as you start, build a bunch of drones, then build a spawning pool, spawn six Zerglings, and take every single drone you have, send them in, and if you kill all their probes, you win. Or their SCVs, or whatever their yeah. mineral mining unit is. Uh, Well, since we're getting, uh, we're at about 45 minutes, so uh, let's just do one more each. You guys cool with that? I only have one more, so that's hey, perfect. Great. Perfect. Well, you can go ahead, Jarrett. All right. Which I think I actually talked about. This is another hidden gem. Uh, actually hidden this time. And I think I talked about it before briefly, not in a hidden gem episode, but as one I was actually playing. Yeah. And it is the Discworld. Oh, uh, that point and click. Yeah, point and click adventure. Uh, it's a PS1 game, and I think it was released on PC as well. I know they had three games in total. Uh, 
I plan on buying and eventually getting them all. But I've actually really enjoyed what I've played. Uh, the humor is pretty much on point what you would expect from a Discworld uh, media, I guess. A Discworld media. But every, like every person you talk to, there's something funny to say. You could interact with things. And instead of being like, oh, I can't interact with stuff. He'll be like, oh, you click on a wardrobe that you can't do anything with. And he's like, yep, that's a wardrobe, all right. And he has, like, you know, little snippets to say about everything. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I thought was super, super impressive, and it might not be super impressive, but every line in the game that I've experienced I was voice is, acted. is completely voice acted. Huh. And you can talk to every character you come across. And they don't have like one or two options. They all have at least four, if not five options. Like you can just talk to them. You can ask them a question. There's a storm cloud option that I don't remember exactly what it does. Isn't this an older game too? It is. It's from like the mid to late 90s. Yeah, it was, okay. like I said, PS1. So, you know, each character had four to five different options that you could talk to them. All voice acted, all unique. They also did, like there was a lot of stuff going on in the background in some places which i admit sometimes the game chugged a little bit at those portions just because i <laughs> guess how much what's going on with how old it was but yeah. it's still neat then it had uh a lot of the if you've ever read the books there's a lot of memorable characters like has the patrician which y'all probably won't know any of these nope. but it's the pa patrician <laughs> nah, it has the art counselor and it has the librarian in it and a lot more i wouldn't want to say too much about it so it's you know great experiencing all those again my only complaint is unless i was doing something wrong it is possible to lock your game out so you can't progress anymore yeah i remember you mentioned that because uh, oh. one time i was playing i was just exploring around just seeing what everything did talking to things picking things up and at one point I grabbed a banana and gave it to the librarian, who's an ape, by the way. He's like an orangutan. <laughs> so, and I gave the banana to him because, like, hey, I know he loves bananas in the books. He, you bribe him with bananas all the time. And then later on, I finally go to the art counselor and get my thing. He's like, oh, get this library book from the librarian. So I go down, talk to the librarian. He's like, oh, you need a library card. And ooks, of course. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that? And I was like, talked to him a few more times. I was like, what the hell do I do? So eventually I was got stuck there for like 20 or 30 minutes. I looked it up and you had to give him the banana to trade to trade for the book. And I could have already gave him the banana because I'd already given him a banana. Oh. So, so he did not remember your trade. He did not remember my trade. And it, I think I was like, I'm pretty sure I clicked on every option. I clicked all around the library. So unless there was something I was supposed to do, but as far as I could tell, I huh. couldn't get the books. I had to restart. Dang, but you yeah, know, I, man, I was man. only like 30 minutes or 20 minutes in. I could have probably get I, like I got to that point again in like two minutes because, like I said, I spent a while exploring, just talking. It's still to aggravating everyone. though. It kind of yeah. makes you leery if like if that's gonna happen again later. Yeah. So I've been made sure to save a lot, and if it happens again, which so far it hasn't happened, I'd probably switch to a guide. But it hasn't hurt my enjoyment because. I'm just you still get the dialogue and everything. Yeah, and the world of Disc World is probably one of my favorite worlds in like all of media. I just loved it. 
Hmm. Cool. What it was. So it's great hmm. experience in that in one of my favorite hobbies. Well, Corey, uh, what's your last one there? I got a hidden gem, Tell Concerto, for the PlayStation 1. Hmm. I remember seeing it. Alright, so this is, was a game that was published by Atlas, and this is before they made it big with, you know, Persona and all that. And so it is now going through crazy buku money. But it's a 3D action adventure where you play as a police dog. Uh, they're all anamorphic animals uh, named Waffle. And you, you do your patrolling in a little mecha suit. Think like something like Gundam. Think like, uh, like, like a Kirby. little suit. Yeah, like Kirby. I can't remember yeah, what that was called. Essentially, you went around and you tried to, I know, explore the world. And there was this uh, gang called the Black Cat Gang. And there's these little mischievous cats that go all over. And, you know, they cause mischief and stuff. Yeah. And you would try to solve the mystery. And there was a... You kept running across this one uh, leader of the Black, King, Black Cat Gang named Alicia. And apparently, from a brief memory, y'all were childhood friends, but I guess y'all drifted apart. And it's really charming. There's actual, like, voice acting in the game. Uh, the gra- For a PlayStation 1 game, this is why I feel like realism, like, aiming for realism all doesn't the time, hold up. doesn't hold up. Like, this looks just like a cartoon. Yeah. Like, it's really charming. There's, like, puzzles you gotta solve. There's actual boss battles. It is a tad on the short side. I, I think it's only, if I remember right, it's like maybe eight, potentially ten hours. It's not a very long game. I really enjoyed it and has really nice music. Like I said, voice acting, which I for early voice acting, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And then there's actually a spiritual sequel to it that takes place in the same world called Solo to Robo, which released years later on the Nintendo DS. Is that Red the Hunter? Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing the uh, box art on that. It looked pretty cool. And I've actually beaten that game. I've never 100% that that one, but I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, pretty similar concept, just a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah. If you ever want to get into them, I highly recommend either Teleconcerto or Solo to Robo. Now that- I might give it a try sometime. That read the hunter. Was that like a subtitle, or was that just all part of it? I was just curious. I didn't know if there was like more in that series, or if it was just a one-off. Yeah, it was a thing. Uh, a secret fact: uh, Soul to Robo is actually two games in one, but you don't find it out until much later. Oh man, two for one. I guess the last one I was going to talk about for it'd be. A, I'll just go ahead and do a hidden gem instead of a disappointment. Is uh, Slay the Spire, and that's not super hidden or anything, but. It's another one of those, uh, I guess, like indie-developed games that probably doesn't see a ton of action. Yeah. But it is a... Really, it's the only roguelike that I've ever liked so far. But that's probably because it's a deck-building game, and I'm all about card games, so... (laughs) And that's one that each run, you're basically climbing this tower, or the spire, I guess, and you're fighting whatever pops up, and you build your deck as you go. Each battle you win, you earn a new card. You can also, like get new cards from random drops or you can buy them from the store with money you earn from the battles. 
the base game has three characters right off the bat, and each of them have their own unique kind of style and card set. And they actually added a free DLC in later with a to add a fourth member, and I really hope they add another one because I I could get back into that game right now. <laughs> each character, like the the Ironclad, is the most basic. He's just the warrior. Then your kind of mage is the defect, which is a robot. And then there is an assassin, which uses poison as its main uh, gimmick kind of thing. And then the watcher is the newest one. And that one has like a high risk reward where you can change your stance. And every time you change stances, it does something different. Like one of them is you deal double damage, but you also receive double damage. Yeah. And then I think there's a one that you can get that's kind of harder to, but you deal triple damage while still only receiving double damage, but it only lasts for like one turn. So it's kind of a, if you don't win, you know, in that one, one or two moves and you're, you're done for. But yeah, really fun game. I've yeah. beat it hey. with all the characters so far. And that's why I was about to ask if you beat it with all four of them. I've beat the regular climb with three of them. I've never beat it with the ironclad, which is like the warrior type. Yeah. He's, he's more about, um, blocking more attacks and then whittling them down. And I, I just can't, that one, the play style is so slow. I don't, I don't like it compared to the other ones. Huh, hey, that'd be great. That's how I usually play, is slowly. <laughs> yeah, you gotta... Because you can get armor uh, to block their attacks, but I feel like if you're taking too much time gaining armor, then you're not attacking, yeah. and then your armor goes away at the end of the turn. So it, it's really... You kind of really got to debate, like, well, I can take this hit, but your health doesn't really regenerate that much between battles, so you can't, can't just tank all the hits and keep yeah. moving on. They have a thing they call the Daily Climb, which is... Uh, I think it changes every, I don't know if it's every day or every other day, but it gives you random power-ups and stuff throughout, and it's it's just for fun. Like, it doesn't actually count toward you beating the Spire, but it'll give you different parameters. Like, it'll be like, hey, all the all four characters' cards are mixed into this one deck, so it's like you can draw cards from every class, and which is really cool, but a lot of them don't play well together, so it's like you don't get real far, or they you could end up getting a... A winning hand and make it pretty good you know so yeah yep really fun i've played it several several times and haven't in a little while but i'll I'll play it again sometime i remember you and chase yeah chase is actually the one that got me to try it out he kept saying i'd like it and i was like oh, i don't really like roguelikes so i don't think i would because i know that's more of his kind of game but i think i like that one just because it was the card game but uh i guess just because of time i've got actually a couple more on here and i think Corey, you probably have a couple more too but yeah, I yeah, I've got terrible. three, but uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap that part of it up since we're at our hour mark here, and we'll move on to our uh, now playing section. And uh, Corey, you can start us off on that one if you want to. Yeah, uh, since last time I mentioned uh, start up Dragon Quest Eleven. And you played about and 10 or 15 more minutes of it since then. And I am addicted. Uh, roughly a little over 20 hours in. Uh, extremely charming little RPG. Yeah. I don't know, just going around, exploring the world, and uh, learning the story, like the fights. Yeah, he, he does. He definitely does. Uh, I'm waiting for him to go uh, Super Saiyan 2, but nah, I have not. There is. Uh, it must be like a late game thing. Yeah, it must be. Uh, but right now, the, I know I would highly recommend it. I mean, out of all the Dragon Quest games I've played, uh, this one's definitely a good one. And you're playing on the Switch, right? Yeah, I'm playing the, the uh, what is it, the full name? S? Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of the Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Uh, it's quite a title. The S uh, 
far as I can tell, because I talked to Chase, who played through the PS4 version, mm-hmm. and I mentioned any of the like bonus side quests, like there's a you can actually play through the game in 3D mode or 2D mode to make it more like a old school Super Nintendo type. Yeah, I've heard about RPG. that. I haven't looked into it, but I've heard about it. Well, there's a bonus world where you, there's these like little ghost dudes, think like little blue like circle people little wiggly arms and they're like kind of cutesy but every now and then you'll find these different color ones that'll give you a code to do some uh, bonus side quests and it all takes place in this little 2d town i believe it's called tackle town and it's like legit playing a old school dragon quest game it's really neat Yeah, I'd like to play a Dragon Quest game eventually. I think I'll finish up my Final Fantasy journey, then I'll try <laughs> one of my own. Uh, I got several, uh, if you ever want to borrow one. I probably will sometime. Uh, I'm still playing The Last of Us, and uh, I think I said last time that I was getting close to the ending. Uh, I was incorrect, because I thought the game was wrapping up, and... It kept and going? I, yeah, I thought it was done. Like I, I was expecting credits to roll, and it didn't happen. So, I'm still playing. Still really enjoying it. But the main thing, really, is since the last episode, I beat Resident Evil 3, the remake, and I really liked it. When I was playing it, I kept comparing it to 2, and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I like 2 probably a little bit better. But I think by the end, by the time I beat it, I was like, yeah, I like this one better, actually. it was. I, I liked it better, which I I never had have played the original See, 3 or the original a, 2, so I, I don't have anything ton, to compare it to. a ton of nostalgia for 2, and I think that's what kept pushing me. But trying to compare only the remakes on PS4 of 2 and 3... I think I preferred three. Yeah, I still well, prefer the story of two, but three up it was it was so fun. Uh, that dodge mechanic when you pulled it off like successfully, yeah. you could get like a quick time just to attack the enemies or whatever. So cool. I think I told you, Jarrett, but just for the podcast here, I actually felt like Mister X in two was scarier than Nemesis. But that being said, Nemesis was a pretty awesome uh, enemy throughout yeah. this, and some See, of the set pieces with him was nuts. I know you said that. I kind of thought the opposite, personally. Yeah. But. Well, with Mr. X, I think I just got scared every now and then, yeah. not knowing where he was at. Whereas Nemesis, like... You always knew. You you always knew. But, like I said, during some of the cutscenes and stuff where... I won't, I won't say anything, because I know Corey hasn't played it, but there was a couple moments where it's like, you know you're not going to get away from him, because he's the big bad, you know, but... You run outside and he just grabs you and throws you back inside. I was just like, "Oh come on!" <laughs> but it was it was great. And but it was one of those games. That as soon as it was over, which was very short, I beat it in under. I think I think I beat it in five hours and something. Yeah, it's just under six. I think. Yeah, five forty-five or something like that. And and I took really took my time and explored. So I know the deck. You know, I could have shaved I off an hour easily. Four and a half or five. I think. Yeah, I know I could take off an hour easy, easy. But it was one of those games. That as soon as I beat it, I was like. I kind of want to keep playing. So I ended up playing the first, the opening bit again until I got to the, I think the second save point. And I really wouldn't want to put it down. I was like, <laughs> I could probably run through this two times in a row and enjoy it just as much the second time. Yeah. So that's one that I'd still like to play again eventually. I don't have much experience with three at all. I beat the original three as well. And this one, whereas two, the remake of two kind of took everything from the original two and kind of expanded on it and added a little bit to it. This one took everything that 3 did and just compacted it, which, I don't know, some of it's kind of iffy. It's like, well, I kind of wish they touched on this. or, But I think overall for the story, it, it did what it needed to, and it was a quick like one-off kind of thing, and I, I think that was good for it, really. I'm curious if they'll, uh, with this remake style, they'll touch on Code Veronica. 
I really hope so. I would love to play Code Veronica, but in, if that was the case, I think I would prefer it to be more like two, have like be longer and more fleshed out than. Not saying three was bad, but I'm just saying that it. I think I would prefer Code Veronica to get the full get the full story out of it. Yeah, wasn't Resident Evil Three made like I don't want to you know criticize them or insult them, but like a B team, like not the main people. Yeah, because uh, Code Veronica was the tr- being the true three. That's why in Resident Evil Three proper, you go back to like the police station and through Raccoon City again. That way, they already had the assets and everything. Yeah. But uh, what about you, Jarrett? We've been playing lately. Um, I've been playing a lot of shorter games. I beat Bullet Storm. I don't know if I beat it the last podcast. So I'll go ahead and mention it again just in case. And then I decided to go ahead and play through a couple shorter games. So I beat. Uh, Beyond Eyes, and I beat this game called Kimmy, which I also didn't like a whole lot. <laughs> I started this game called Broken Age, which is also made by Double Fine, I'm pretty sure. And I've actually liked it pretty well. It's a point and click that tells the story about two different people that you can swap between them. And I've started another point and click. I've been playing a lot of point and click adventures. I don't know why. They're all short. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it. I don't know. Play him. Uh, I originally bought the uh, Day of the Tentacles, one of those point and click adventures I've been wanting to get to for a long time during the scene. I have style. it in my queue eventually. I've just been trying to get through a lot of the shorter ones since I haven't really felt like playing anything else. Mm-hmm. I've been playing Been There, Dan That, and I'm hoping to beat it tonight after the podcast. Oh, cool. so. oh uh, real quick, I want to mention too, uh, mostly for Corey's sake. Corey, I progressed one more save point in uh, Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> so at this rate, if I progress one save point for every podcast, by the end of like you know 2030, I think I'll beat it. Hey, maybe Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two <laughs> will be out by then. Yeah, that or 16. One of the two will be out by then. Uh, I think. Yeah, I'll say that right here so I'm on recording saying it. I'll beat Final Fantasy IX before I'm allowed to play Seven Remake Part Two. <laughs> Yeah, Final Fantasy IX, I really enjoyed it. Like, revisiting it, because I got the Nintendo Switch uh, port of it, and I played through it, and I made it, I don't know, about 15 hours in, and I just set it down for one reason or another. And, and didn't pick it back up. I like the characters. It's uh, my second or third favorite Final it, Fantasy. It's been funny. It's it's probably, it's gotta be the funniest one, right? Yeah, it definitely has its moments. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like, well, seven eight went for more realistic vibe, and I guess that drives more of the general public. Like any of the more zany, cartoony stuff, I tend to gravitate toward. Yeah, that's how I am. See, I don't, I don't really care either way on that. I really like seven, and and I really like eight too. I'm like a nine, all right. I just haven't gave it a ton of time yet because anytime uh, I get game time, I put it toward the Last of Us. Yeah, I feel like uh, you you're playing too many Final Fantasies at once, man. I I, I beat uh what ten and what was the other one? I know you said you've been... 10 and 4, I was playing at the same time, too. And then uh, you got 6 going on. Yep, slowly on that one, too. But I'll I'll start putting more time in the 9 after I finish The Last of Us. I want to get to Then it. I'll just sink into that one full-time. Ah, there's just so many games to play. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. So little time. And yet I buy more. Well, yeah, yeah, me too. It's the curse, man. We all have it. Well, I guess uh, go ahead and wrap it up, unless you guys have anything else to add. I'm good. Are you wanting to mention upcoming games? I'm looking forward to um, the physical release of Bug Fables whenever it comes out. I, I think that was one that you were looking forward to. Yeah, I remember uh, Lone Run Games. I got the Shantae, uh, the Seven Sirens yeah, that, pre-ordered. That was my other one. Yep, me too. And I heard Bug Fables is going to get a physical Switch version. Yep, through Limited Run. Yep. Uh, definitely. What am I getting that? 
Yep, those are the two that I'm looking forward to, is Bug Fables and Shantae and the Seven Sirens. Uh, out of all upcoming games I can think of, with a definitive, guaranteed release date so far, Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time on the PS4. I just find it funny that they even make a quote about it in the trailer itself. Wrath of Cortex has been retconned. <laughs> yeah, didn't they destroy it? Yeah. Are they uh, went to a different timeline or something? Yeah, they're, they're, the timeline has split. They're going in a different direction. It's pretty funny. Jared, uh, are you looking forward to Neither of them have definitive release dates, but No More Heroes 3 and Bayonetta 3. Yeah, No More Heroes 3 is also one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, there's quite a few without definitive release dates I'm looking forward to. Like uh, Metro Prime 4, Breath of the Wild 2, Bravely. I've been waiting a while on Metroid, but Breath of the Wild 2 could be pretty close. We don't know. And eventual announcements of games I want from the Nintendo Origami King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and add that to my uh, disappointed list real quick, even though I haven't played it. I heard the right. Oh, yeah, that's another game, real quick. We need to say that Jarrett has a uh, Jarrett now has Sticker Star that he's gonna play yeah, in. I did. I originally, when I play, I'll have a full review. He's gonna give us the full review. Yeah, full review on the podcast. I can't wait. Oh man, what a special episode that'll be! <laughs> a full review for the Sticker Star. <laughs> uh, well, with that, I guess we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. So I just want to thank everyone for listening. And I want to also give a quick shout-out to our buddy TJ over at Anime Chateau. Jared and I were actually on his last podcast, which I guess is by the time this episode goes out, that'll be a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about our favorite fire users in anime, so that was a pretty fun one. Uh, as always, we can be reached on Twitter at GamewayC or the email address GamewayCafe at Outlook.com. Corey and Jared, thanks for joining me. Yep. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Catch you on the flippity-flop. Peace. Man.